What's going on, everybody? Asad Hashim Ali back again with another episode of Behind the Grind. Uh, this is the podcast where I sit with people who are doing cool shit on a regular basis, people whose grind I admire, people whose story I admire, people who are just constantly pushing the ballot, pushing the ante, uh, doing big shit in this big, big world. My guest for today is uh, family, basically. She is an aspiring or a current football player. Um, she has always been someone who I've known to be away from the pack only to show them which way to go. Her name is Soha Hirani. And if you know anything about women's football in this country, you know that there is a lot happening. And we were about to go for this peak. But unfortunately, sometimes things don't roll in our favor in this country. Soha, how are you? I'm good, Asad. How are you? Very well. How was that introduction? Pretty decent. I think you set the bar pretty high. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> that great, but I'm glad you think of me like that. No, no, I've always seen you like that. And yeah. um, thank you so much for coming on, because I know that this. Uh, I, I've all since I've known you, I've known football has been like a very big part of your life, and this is actually the first time I've I'm bringing someone in to talk about some current affair, uh, which is not something I normally do. I tend to stay away from these topics, but I felt that you know might as well shed some light on it. So. First off, like tell me, tell everybody a little bit about your background, about where you were. You were not in Karachi for a while, yeah. but how did football come in your life? Where did you take yeah. it outside the country? And yeah. now, what are you doing? Yeah. So the first thing to know about me is football is everything for me. Yeah. It's my passion. It's my life. And I know you have to keep things on the side because football is not a realistic career in this country. But anyone who knows me will just associate me with, me with football because. That's everything I do. Um, bit of background on me. I actually came into football pretty late on, considering that everyone starts when they're younger, because I wasn't aware that women's football actually existed in Pakistan. So I came across it at the beginning of A-levels when I was 17. Um, I had played a bit when I was younger. And growing up, I used to always have a ball with me everywhere I went. I used to kick a ball at my house, but never actually trained football, took it seriously, or like realized that it was my thing. But um, played here for two years, and then I went for university um, at UC Berkeley in California, and continued to play over there. And um, whole new ball game over there, but an amazing experience. And um, now I'm back in Karachi since I've graduated and playing football again, and um, hoping to take that somewhere. So that's a bit about me. Sweet. So in in Berkeley, as far as I've seen from your Instagram, but then also from your brother. Berkeley has a pretty big football scene, right? Yeah, so women's football in the U.S. is massive. It's like the thing they're known for. Like everyone knows that the men's team is shit. Yeah. But the U.S. women's team is like the Big gold ass. standard of women's football in the world. They're they're unbeatable. Like mm-hmm. to put it that way, they just won the World Cup in 2019, and they're on like this unbeaten run, like 30 plus games. They just keep winning or like drawing, but. Women's football in the U.S. is as high as it gets, mm-hmm. um, so it's very competitive. Every other girl knows how to play football, so walking there from Pakistan was eye-opening for me because I wasn't aware of how amazing girls could be at football. So I had gone in just playing two years of football, and those two years I'd learned a lot. I'd actually become really good because I worked my ass off as soon as I figured out this is what I want to do. And so when I got to Berkeley, I 
I couldn't make varsity because that is another level of quality and skill and everything. But I tried out for the club team at our school, which is a level below varsity. Mm-hmm. And I barely made the B team. And um, I was grateful that I made it because they saw that I had that in me, that raw passion, talent, everything. And so I started working hard again and eventually made the A team and started playing as a starter for the A team and kept trying to get better. So um, I was very privileged because everyone around me was better than me. Mm-hmm. And I had to get to that level. And that's where you learn the most under pressure. You can either melt or you can rise. And um, I was grateful that I had that desire in me to like, even when you're the worst, just keep pushing till you're not the worst and try to become the best. Mm-hmm. So that whole experience was like very integral in getting me to where I am in women's football here as well. Um, I wouldn't have been that good if I hadn't been challenged to that level and um, if I hadn't been surrounded by people who were so, so skilled. Like they had the opportunity to play D1 and they chose to go to Berkeley and I was just surrounded by such a, such a wonderful group of girls and taught me so much and ended up becoming my best friend. So that was a great experience overall. And you chose to come back. Yeah, naively I chose to come back, some might say, but um, I knew that I wouldn't have a football career in the U.S. because things are so advanced over there that mm-hmm. you need to be playing since you're three or four and 17 is not where you start at. So when you were 17, you said that was when you started playing competitively? That's when I started training. Um, okay. Before that, I used to play with the guys in school sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mostly I would just kick a ball in my backyard with Saad yeah. and my brother. Um, so when I was 17, what happened was my friend reached out to me and she was like, Hey, this guy coaches women's football at my school and at KGS, they didn't have women's football. So I didn't Mm -hmm. even know this was an option. And she's like, there's this whole new world out there. And she introduced me to Karachi United. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had no idea this world was out there. And so I went out on a limb and I went to the first they had a youth academy so they have a really good setup they have youth Mm -hmm. academies and under 13 under 15 under 19. so i went to the under 19 one and um as soon as i walked in i just remember being in awe of just the energy you get from a place sometimes you walk in and you know that's it that's what Mm -hmm. you've been missing and um that's where it all started i started the youth academy and then six months later i went to the women's team and then started like just playing every day in my backyard, trying to become better, just working hard, going to the gym, playing every single day. And um, yeah, that's where it all started. So, yeah. And now you, so you played in Berkeley for four years. Yeah. You spent another year there. Yeah, I spent another eight months. I was doing an internship. Which was not fun considering that it was lockdown as well. Yeah, it was tough because I was applying to jobs and I got this internship and it was fun, but it was not what I wanted to do. Because yeah. for me, like... Yeah, I can I can immerse myself in that world, but I it was all there's always something pulling me from Karachi. You know mm-hmm. how it is. Like you leave and you want to come back, and yeah. when you come back, people are like, "Why did you come back?" It's mm-hmm. kind of a shit show sometimes. But at the end of the day, I wanted to do something with women's football, and people a lot of people probably still think that was a stupid decision to come back. What do you think? Primarily for, I think that if I didn't come back, I would regret it, and. As much as whatever we go through in football, whatever's happening right now, I never regret the decision to prioritize football. I've done that my whole life, even mm. in college. Like, if I had exams, people were like, "Why are you going? Like, are you like, insane?" Yeah, <laughs> let's like, go play. Like thirty minutes before my exam, I'm like playing football, and 
I I've never ever put football second. Even my family knows that. My friends know that. That when football comes, everyone's out of the picture. So awesome. I wouldn't say that I regret that decision, but there's a lot of obstacles that come with it, and um, we have we're gonna have to learn how to navigate that because Karachi's a whole new new world. It's yeah. so many things to to navigate over here. And you came back like what six months ago, right? Four, five no, no, I actually, I actually came back in the in Jan, mid Jan. In Jan, yeah. yeah so three four, months. three, four months, yeah. yeah. So you came back, and you are already facing the brunt of I am this industry, so to speak. It's a reality check. And um, for all those who don't know what's happening, what's happening? So basically, just to give you a bit of background on how much hope we had before everything went down. Um, when I came back, we started training for the National Women's Championship that happened, um, started on March 8th, which was International Women's Day. Um, so this was the biggest, best championship we've ever had in the history of football in Pakistan. Um, it was exceptionally organized. Everything was perfect. We had excellent me- media coverage. Everything was live streamed. We had record prize money, like we had 10 lakhs prize money for the winners, seven and a half for the runners-up, five for the third place, individual prize money up to 85,000 for getting best player, top scorer, wow. best midfielder, best defender, best holding midfielder. Unheard of prizes yeah. to motivate people to actually perform their best. And showing people the the potential. Yeah, exactly. Showing This was the first time we had 20 teams in a national championship. Usually we have two groups of four. And you have qualifiers, yeah, but yeah. you have two groups of four with the best teams. But this year they're like, no, we want to get as many teams as possible. We had international players come in, which has never happened before. We had four of Nepal's best national team players, and they were amazing players. So we had a lot of competition this time. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw our group, and we were like, there's, there, there were a couple of easy teams in each group, but there was always like this level of competition that we haven't had in the past. And mm-hmm. um, we were very excited because you don't usually get this kind of competition in women's football because only a few tra- teams train all year round and those teams are always the best. And the hardest part about football here is finding people to play against. Hmm. So we usually play against guys sometimes and we play against academy kids. And um, this championship was for the first time something so amazing, so positive. You could just see like everyone was friends with each other from the other teams. Everyone got to know each other. We were hanging out with each other. Like people from the other teams were like mingling and it was an amazingly positive environment. Like no one cared about which team they were in, but they were all friends. Mm-hmm. And so the championship's going really well. Um, everything is perfect. Um, and we make it to the quarterfinals and we're facing an uphill battle because we're playing last year's champions army. Um, last year was my first national women's championship and we lost in the final really badly to army. <laughs> but we made Which it- is also like, you said, as you said, right? Like Wabda and Army are the two yeah, best teams, yeah. right? Um, we were lucky Wabda and Army played each other in the semifinals, so we okay. got a bit of <laughs> a pass at that. But the final was really, really hard and we lost pretty bad. But um, this year we came back and um, we tied the Nepali team 2 2 in, in our group, but they finished mm-hmm. ahead on goal difference. So we got the tougher quarterfinal, which was against Pakistan Army, defending champions for two, two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And um, this is when everything started to go down. Um, so I just want to give you background on how yeah, much yeah. goes into like preparing for a match. Mm-hmm. We're like sitting here, just had training, finished my physiotherapy, taking ice baths. We're sitting in a tub full of ice so we can recover from our practice. 
and we're getting ready to go to bed for a really big match the next day, probably the biggest match we've ever played. And we get this notification saying the women's championship has been canceled. And so we're all shocked. We're like, what the hell is going on, right? Um, like one second, you're like just going to sleep. Tomorrow's the biggest day of your, like your match of your life. And so we find out that um, the FIFA headquarters, the Pakistan Football Federation's headquarters in Lahore has been physically taken over. There's a, there's a hostile takeover that's, been, that's happened. Um, so this all stems from Pakistan's poor history in football. Pakistan had been banned by FIFA in 2015. Um, in 2018, the Supreme Court had elections, which was illegal, not recognized by FIFA because FIFA says that the government should not intervene in anything related to football. And they had elected this guy called Ashwak Hussain Shah. Um, FIFA didn't recognize this and football was a shit show back then. So they put it, put in place a committee to get things under order. It was called the Normalization Committee. Mm -hmm. It had two chairmen before, but the guy who just came in place, his name was Harun Malik. And this guy was doing a really good job, in my opinion. He was the first, it was the first time we felt like someone cared about us. Like someone didn't care about the politics, they cared about the football. This guy personally came up to me and he was like, it's an honor to meet you. And like wow. the chairman coming up to you and like talking mm -hmm. to you, telling you about his plans. And we had the Spanish director of football. He was gonna coach the women's national team. He used to coach for Atletico Madrid's academy. And so no this guy, way. like amazing genius guy, very accessible. You can text him and be like, I'm having this problem and he'll tell you what to do. Yeah. And so all of this is happening. And um, we find out that the headquarters has been physically taken over because those guys went in and they kicked out all the staff. And they sat Harun Malik down and interrogated him and he felt threatened. So he broke glass and he actually had to flee the headquarters. No way. Yeah. This was all over the news, like Dawn and everything. And they still physically are in that space and they haven't left. And so um, the normalization committee had no option but to like cancel the tournament because they're not in power anymore. They don't have access to the accounts. Like how yeah, are they going to pay the prize money? Them. Like they don't have the physical space to like organize the tournament. And Not so to say, the, the tournament was happening in Karachi? Was yeah, it was happening in Kar Karachi. But, but all this was happening in Lahore. Lahore yeah. Okay. Um, so this happens and um, we, we spoke up against it. Immediately people released videos saying, let us play, let us play. And so these new guys are like, okay, fine, we let you play. And um, so we, we faced this decision whether or not to play the quarterfinal because we don't want to play it under these guys, but it's football and choosing not to play football is the hardest thing you can tell mm -hmm. a player to do because at the end of the day, all of us don't want anything to do with politics. We just want football. And so um, they reorganized the schedule, gave a very shitty schedule, quarterfinal, two days semifinal, two days final. Our bodies are made of iron or something that so we don't need rest. So we decided to play the quarterfinals under protest. We had posters, armbands. We were on our knees before the match saying that we don't approve of anything that's happened, but we're going to play for the sake of football. So we mm -hmm. can show what women are capable of through football. And um, that was an amazing match. Um, we won 4-3 in extra time. Mm -hmm. Scored two goals, thankfully. Winning penalty, very intense. Um, best part was beating the people who beat us so badly last year. Mm -hmm. And one downside was one of our players decided to sit out and two of their best players decided to sit out as well because they personally didn't feel right playing and I, I totally supported Respect, their decision. Yeah. And I was in that position as well. And 
we were all so confused the night before the quarterfinal. Kenna and Kenna back and forth, back and forth. Mm. Everyone is giving their two cents. And so we decided to play. And um, while all this is happening, FIFA has given an ultimatum mm. to the guys in place saying, you either get out by 31st March at 8 p.m., vacate the premises and hand over everything back to the normalization committee, mm-hmm. or else we're going to suspend Pakistan and ban them from yeah. international football. And the implications of this are massive. Um, banning Pakistan from FIFA's, banning, suspending its membership means we don't get to have a national team. We don't get to play international matches. Everything that we look forward to is scrapped overnight. Yeah. So we're sitting one day, we're like, oh, national team's going to be formed in May. We're going to have like two months of training. We're going to play Asian Cup qualifiers in September. And we're going to have opportunities after that because people might notice us and we might get to play abroad. And we've been training our asses off for mm-hmm. for this moment. And all of that goes out of the window just by this one guy deciding to take over because he feels like he has some divine right over football in Pakistan. And so this happens and deadline passes. Um, he doesn't leave. He actually releases a message in which he's like, I'm doing, trying to do a lot for Pakistan football. And the normalizations committee's mandate was to have elections and they haven't had elections yet. His opinion being that if elections are to happen, football can't happen. But those elections arrange football That's his opinion. He's like, these guys aren't doing elections, but these were the first guys who actually prioritized football over politics. Yeah. And I'll admit that maybe they should have announced a roadmap to elections to satisfy like people who are criticizing him. But at the end of the day, like we get suspended by FIFA. Mm. And so Yet again, we face another decision. Should we play the semifinal under these guys? And now, like, the game's over. We've been suspended. Before, we didn't know if we had been suspended, so we decided to play the quarterfinal. Mm. So we're playing. uh, We're deciding whether we should play or not. And we come to the conclusion that it is unethical at this point to play under people who have done this to Pakistan football single-handedly. And so this is definitely the toughest decision I've ever had to make because... A few of us decided for the team whether we should play or not and decided not to play hmm. because there's very few instances where something comes above football and at this point this you have to it. look at the bigger picture yeah. what is this match going to do for us there's no credibility FIFA hmm. is not going to rec- recognize the results and we don't want to be associated with this guy in any yeah. way so all of this happens and this is where we stand now is like Two other teams backed out. They canceled the championship because there was no one to play it. Hmm. And we didn't get any of the prize money, which was disappointing because it was a lot of money and we had to... We were looking forward to like anyway, some sort everyone, of monetary reward because yeah, we, yeah. we don't get paid as players. Like hmm. Army and Wabda players usually get paid and very few others get paid. But clubs like Karachi United and all these clubs locally, they don't usually play their, pay their players. Because you guys are also doing it out of like your own passion exactly. as well, right? Like, like right now, it, it makes sense that this is such a sh- small space yeah. is that this tournament was actually leading up to all these clubs seeing the potential exactly. of what, what can be yeah, used, yeah? People started to realize that it could be professional sport. Yeah. Because growing up, what you need to show people is that this can be your career. You can make money out of it and mm. you can do things out of it because... At some point, you'll train people, but they'll stop playing when they're 17, 18, because they're like, we need to think about life and how to make money. Yeah. And this was a big step in making Pakistan football professional. And um, unfortunately, that was taken from us. Mm-hmm. So that's where we stand right now. Um, FIFA suspended us and said that unless these guys leave, mm-hmm. 
mm. we're gonna ban Pakistan from and they have banned us from uh, international football and that ban is still on that ban is still on and we're lucky that they haven't given a time frame they haven't said it's a five-year ban which is what we were expecting but I think if this drags on longer and they don't get out then they're gonna put a time frame on it as well what do you think is this is since this has happened before yeah and five years ago was the women's football scene this big or this popping no um i was new to it so i didn't even realize the politics of it i hmm. just came into play and um we still had stuff going on we used to train all year round hmm. um we would play against guys and it was a higher level than women's football so we were happy with that and we would have private tournaments so like state bank championship or like something else happening very very little prize money like hmm. Negligible, but um, <laughs> yeah. So there's this actually funny picture of me. Like there was this tournament we won, and I got top score or something. And we're taking a picture after the tournament, and I'm sitting there looking at my envelope because it says two thousand rupees, <laughs> and that's what I won for it. And I was like, this is sad, but that's where we were at. We were just enjoying playing football, and um, um, I hadn't actually been exposed to the women's national team ever because I started playing and it was banned and. Um, We weren't that aware of the problems mm. back then, but people who have been in this industry for much longer than I have, they felt mm. the pain twice now. And, and this is what I want to get at: was that because this happened five years ago, um, have has the older lot come up with some kind of solution to fix this, or have they come up like have they learned from the past? Yeah, like, I mean, bands, we lost a lot and, of players because of that. Mm. Um, there's only so much resilience people can show, like. Yeah. As much as you love football, at some point you have to be realistic. And I'm lucky I can afford to play and pay out of my pocket and afford everything. But there's people who relied on it as a source of income. Yeah. And that's one thing we didn't talk about is how many people lost their source of income by what this guy did in one day. Yeah. There's a thousand department players, men's, and there's a few women's players who get paid by their departments and teams to play. Hmm. And now with no football activity, they're going to be unemployed. Yeah. So like K-Electric shut down their team a while ago because they were like, there's no football activity happening. So they actually shut it down. Yeah, they shut it down before this happened. But now more teams are going to shut down because... Yeah, it's inevitable. Like Yeah. And so I'm, I don't have to worry about my loss of income, but there's people who literally have don't have, they have to feed mouths and they're not going to have any money for their kids. So that's like another big problem that we have is so much unemployment because of this. But what do you think is the solution to this? Like, how can we fix this? And this is not, yeah. I saw I, I alongside um, the news and speaking to you about it, I saw on Instagram, there's a lot of uh, the, the a lot of your teammates yeah. and um, from other teams, they spoke up. Yeah. There's some kind of movement happening as well. Yeah. But what do you think can happen to change this yeah so i think the one thing to answer your previous question that they learned from the past is that we have to speak up hmm. and as players there's there's a few things we can do but when it comes to politics we're helpless we have there's nothing we can do to kick this guy out so everything we have to do has to be away from the international stage it has to be local it has to be grassroots hmm. so all we can do as a solution is keep playing football and keep coming up with new avenues for promoting football and getting private private funding, private sponsor, sponsorships, private tournaments going because at the end of the day, you have to be ready for when this thing gets solved and you have to be ready to play when that happens. And as a solution, like it's, it's extremely hard and complicated because as players, we shouldn't be doing these things. Our job is to play, not to come up with ways to actually have platforms for football, but 
that's the unfortunate situation we're in is that we're going to have to figure out how to keep things going, how to keep pe- players motivated, hmm. how to come up with new ways to give people money and how to get everyone together on like one stage because everyone lives in different cities. Like mm. it's not like we can have a tournament and fly everyone in and it's very complicated that way. So what we can do is in whichever city people are living, they can come up with solutions to their local area. And um, like we have Karachi United, we keep training, we keep playing football. We still are. Um, the solution is only to keep playing football at the end of the day. Mm. But then with that being said, do you feel that there is a need for um do you think that there's some kind of bureaucratic solution to this as well 100 percent um the only solution is for the government to step in Hmm. and tell this guy to leave that's the only possible solution at this point to get us unsuspended to get Um, the government to intervene once again to get the government out yeah because i mean he has political backing from whatever sources i don't want to name but Hmm. The only thing we can do is forcibly remove the guy who forcibly came in. Hmm. Like, he's not going to leave. He's not going to get some sudden enlightenment that this is wrong, what I'm doing is wrong, and it's affecting thousands of people. Because if he had that sense, he wouldn't have done it in the first place. He didn't even realize the Women's Championship was going on and he would interrupt it. He could have waited six days and it would have been over. And he doesn't He doesn't care about it at the end hmm. of the day. So someone needs to, the government needs to step in and take him out. And that's the only solution to getting the normalization committee back and getting things underway again. So the bureaucratic solution is for Imran Khan or his team to get this guy out. Mm. And do you think that there's something that, um, do you think there's something that those who are not directly involved with this could actually do something? In what sense? Like, I think the, these are, it's, it's a few circumstances which actually get people together, right? Yeah. This is one of those. Yeah. This is because I don't just see this as an issue of today that's affecting you. There's just like you said it. There's the girls sitting in Liari or in Baltistan who would love to play football as a career. Yeah. But unfortunately, to be able to pay their club fees and be able to train, they've got to pick up some kind of job or some kind of side yeah. hustle just to make those ends meet. Yeah. Only for them to then grow up and then have to take care of their families yeah. and then basically sacrifice their dreams and aspirations. Yeah. Now, one solution that is coming to my mind, which some might say is naive, but it's also about like just a collective voice, yeah. raising that collective voice, but then physically going in and actually taking charge of these things as well. Yeah. It's just, I, I'm, I am personally just a bit upset by the fact that, well, this isn't the first time it's happened. Yeah, and we haven't learned our lesson. Sorry? We haven't learned our lesson from last time. We haven't time. learned our lesson, and yet um, not many people know that this is happening. Yeah, and... As players, we have raised our voice and you might have seen it because you follow me and everything. And um, I'm seeing Hajra come up on yeah. a lot of different like She's spaces. She's very good with raising her voice because yeah. she has a good following. And we actually like this news made the, the, the front page of Dawn's website mm. and it was it's there. But at the end of the day, the news cycle is very short and these things... And it's just upsetting that this is always taken as something that, especially when it comes to the women's team, I feel, is that uh, it's just uh, pushed under the rug. Yeah. It's Um, not taken seriously. It's Yeah, and 
the fact that it's still not being taken seriously, given that the men's team is also involved, says something about the scale of what's going on. Mm. So the women's team has always been pushed aside. And yeah. like I said, this was the first time we were being treated fairly and equally the way we deserved. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, like, I don't know where to go from here in terms of, like, if it was cricket, this would be fixed in a second. If yeah. the, the ICC had banned Pakistan, what would happen? FIFA is much bigger than that. What? How many? How many countries play cricket and how many countries play football? Like two mm. hundred countries play football. This is much bigger than that. But at the end of the day, the government only cares about cricket. They don't care about football. And it's a shame that we have a sports person in place, mm. and we still don't have the noise creation that we should have from mm. them. And so, like we we have created videos and we have spoken to to Geo and Dawn and. We've spoken to Al Jazeera, and there's articles out there. But are they? Are you getting? Are you getting some kind of like uh, response from them, though? Or are they also treating it? Like no, how we the do. We did is? get a response from them, and they have done their fair share, I would say, of like hmm. covering this issue. But it's not something that makes the headlines every single day. It might make the headline one day, hmm. um, but it's something like that people forget about at the end of the day. Is like. How do we sustain that voice we've raised? Like, yeah. we can't keep making videos every day, but yeah, it's a complicated situation because it is, at, yeah. at some level you're helpless because there's only one way to fix it. Mm -hmm. and you should, but at some point you should realize that you always have an option. There's always something you can do, and yeah. we're still figuring out how to be, how to be creative about this and where to True. take things forward. So. Tell me about the um, stepping aside from from all of this. Tell me about the current landscape of football in Pakistan, yeah. both men and women. Yeah. Like, what scale is it at? How big is it? Yeah. Um, women's football in Pakistan is very different to men's. Mm -hmm. For men's, everywhere you go, people are crazy about football. Like, if you see local matches happening up north or like in Balochistan, you'll always see massive crowds and mm -hmm. like even if it's not covered by any news, like the local population is always crazy about football. Like you see that in Liari, if there's a match happening, mm -hmm. there'll be thousands of people even during COVID watching that match. So like local scene in football, for men's football is huge. Um, there's a lot of academies, especially in Karachi. Um, there's grassroots programs happening. It might not all be like very well coordinated as a whole. Everyone's doing their own thing. There's, there's no system as such, mm -hmm. but at least it's happening. People are playing, people are learning. They might not have the opportunities to go beyond that, but football is massive um, for men and people are crazy about it. But for women's, it's a very, very small industry. Hmm. Um, even in Karachi, we have maybe three or four teams and maybe two big teams. Mm -hmm. And um, we're seeing it grow now because once you get media coverage and once you get money in football, people will start entering it. Yeah. And we're also at a turning point in society where people are realizing that women can do these things hmm. because before it we i mean we still are very conservative but we're at least acknowledging that yeah this exists yeah we're acknowledging that it exists and we're pushing back on society hmm. like you see things happening now for women you see orit march happening you see women pushing on all platforms trying to break glossy like glass ceilings and do everything so we're at this moment collectively in society where women are breaking barriers in everything in every industry and football is one of them it it, it goes with the trend um, we're seeing people fight against their parents to play football and I'm lucky that my parents are okay with it but it's a growing industry in, in, in Pakistan but it's still very small and um, 
we might see the numbers growing, but we have to see the quality growing because we need better training, better facilities. We don't have those tournaments because if you're not like making money, no one's going to put an investment into women's football. Mm. And that's, I think, where we're ide- ideologically wrong is that people think that you should only invest in something if it produces money. But for it to produce money, you have to invest in it. That's what they call return on investment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to be patient um, with that ROI. Like we've historically been underinvested in, so we deserve a bit of a push to mm. start things going. But um, but this, um, basically the way you're putting it is that compared to the men's football scene is basically underfunded but needs structure. Yeah. I'm Whereas the women's football team needs funding. And structure. And structure. And encouragement, yeah, and a lot more push, yeah, it, to get those players yeah, out. Yeah, we we need some sort of system, and mm. um, how, we need to get people from a young age into this because that's when you learn how to play. Yeah, like starting at seventeen, there's only so much you can do to like develop that skill because skill mm-hmm. comes with time. Yeah, the more you play as a child, the more things get ingrained into you. Mm-hmm. You can't like learn certain things when you're yeah. much older because your body doesn't work that way. Yeah. It doesn't absorb it that way. So we we should have better grassroots programs. We should have mm. more academies for girls. Um, and we should have schools promoting football because those are the two, two ways that girls really get into football from mm-hmm. a young age. Yeah. And then beyond that, after people become adults, we need, we need like a proper game plan <laughs> because... Yeah. As kids, like, yeah, you can play football and you can do a million other things on the side. But when you grow up, like, we don't want people quitting football because they don't think the mm. industry doesn't exist. So we need regular tournaments. We need a league. Mm. We need something that doesn't just happen two weeks of the year, one month of the year. Mm. Happens all year round. Like, it has to be professionalized. We're a very amateur industry right now. Like, even quality-wise, we're improving, but we're not there yet. Like. Mm-hmm. So when if um, when it comes to you uh, as an individual, the what was the average lifetime of a player? Like when do you think they cut off? Well, ideally at thirty six, but so, in Pakistan probably a little younger, maybe thirty two. Yeah. So for you personally, have you thought about that when you decide to take a break from playing football, or when you come to that point where you can't play anymore? Yeah. What is it that you want to do for this industry, for the for the sector? Yeah. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I have, and I don't think I'll have I'll be able to wait till I retire. I might have to be much sooner, but mm. um, I do want to start my own academy and my own football club and create the space for women, especially, but also for 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 men, because mm-hmm. I hope that we reach a point where there's no distinction. Yeah, and so yes, I have like it's not it's not something that's going to earn me a lot of money, but it is my passion and I want to create this whole system where like children start from a young age and they get, they not only like play over here, but I want them to be able to so, be so good that they can go abroad. They can get recruited from this level, mm. which is what we should be aiming at right now. We don't have women's players playing abroad at all because mm. we're not there yet. We don't know these opportunities exist. Very few players are at that level skill wise, mm. but yeah, definitely in the future, I want to have my own system because I, I, for me, like, there's two ways to go about football in Pakistan, football for development and football for excellence. Mm. And I have, I love the development side of it, but I've always gone for excellence because mm. 
I think that people won't take us seriously unless we're good at it. Yeah. And you can and the development side is amazing because football does so much for society economically, socially like Yeah. Like we used to have KU programs before where people had to go to school to be able to come to play football. And so you learn you just learn so much from the sport that it helps you in everything you do. But I think that at the end of the day you have to be excellent because no one is going to take a player seriously if yeah they're playing football but they're not good at it hmm. so f- in the future i definitely want to work on excellence and making people amazing and getting their skill level higher their fitness higher and like like bringing in the fitness in- industry into it because that's one thing we ignore is we hmm. play football but we're weak as players we're not strong enough hmm. to play internationally or play abroad hmm. so i definitely have these hopes and dreams but it's 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 hard to start something as a young person yeah. who's getting newly involved and understanding the politics of what's been happening yeah no uh, plans of entering the politics no no it's it, it, it shouldn't exist and yeah, i stay hope with it that shit i swear to god man it's <laughs> it ruins drama. everything in pakistan yeah it, there's no need for it hmm it's such a beautiful sport that there's no need for anyone outside of who plays it but do you think that you um you would want uh, want to become that person who is like this Harun Malik sahab yeah easy access he's like that that guardian angel of sorts for for the fraternity yeah. for the industry you want to see yourself in that position i mean i do think there's better people than me out there to do it because I think there's a couple of people in women's football in Pakistan who are intellectually amazing. Hmm. And for me everyone knows I'll always choose to play like jo bhi ho raha hai mujhe bas khelna hai. I'm I'm not as good as looking at the bigger picture as other people are and I think there are people who would be amazing at that level but for me I want to handle it at the grassroots. I want to keep it small but like keep it quality keep keep it high quality. When you step into positions of power Sometimes what you want to do you can't achieve it because there's so many different things mm-hmm. happening so many people you have to be so many things you have to go with the statutes you have to obey and mm-hmm. you have to decide where to put the funding and it's it's just too much politics mm-hmm. at the end of the day even if you try to remove it mm-hmm. that you have to you have to be involved in that and I always want to just keep it small and keep it tight Kudos to you for recognizing what your part is yeah. where it could be because i have come come to see this over the years is, yeah initially you you aim that you want to be the head of whatever but we all have our limitations and it's hard to change as a person mm-hmm. so you just have to recognize that your mm-hmm. job might be something else and there's bigger people than you out there mm-hmm. no fair fair so so how if you could go back in time and if you could meet your younger self yeah this is a question i ask everyone i love this question if you go back in time you could meet your younger self what is it that you would say to her I would say keep working hard because hard work achieves anything. Mm. Whatever is happening in life and football, as long as you keep training and you keep working hard and you believe in yourself, that's the most important thing. That's something you can control because everything else might be out of your control, but you working on yourself all the time will pay off at some point. Mm. And I saw that when I went to Berkeley and I was able to play there, and that was a big achievement for me because I had been working hard. So that's like the thing I would say to myself is put as much time as you can and put all your cards in one place don't hedge your bets go all in for one thing because that's one thing I was always hesitant about was like mm. maybe I should focus more on studying and maybe I should focus more on these things but 
there's only one thing you can find that you love that much and I'm lucky to have found it and I would have told myself to just keep keep all keep it going just focus on that it's like I'm talking to myself right now <laughs> damn that was awesome man um Thank you so much for sharing this by the way. No, no, of course. Sir. I'm sure like it's uh it hasn't been a smooth ride. No, it's it hasn't and it's it's always personal to talk about football yeah. but I do think I should be sharing my passion and I hope that they can get more girls to to understand that they can also do this mm-hmm. as long as they work hard, as long as they're dedicated, as long as they have a goal in mind and mm-hmm. keep believing in themselves. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you Soha. Thank you for sharing the story. I hope fingers crossed things turn around. I, I guess it it's just about like you know it's a it's a it's a collective problem it's not an individual problem. Yeah. We all got to play, play our part in, in solving yeah. this as well. But um all the best to you. No, thank all you the for best. having me. It's, no, it's fun. Yeah, it was a lot Liked of fun. It. Yeah. It's kind of like therapeutic. It is. In a sense, right? Like, and it's easy talking to you. It's you're like my bigger brother, but. Bhai ka kamal hai. What can I say? Saad se better. I'm kidding. Saad, you didn't have to hear that. But um, no, uh, all the very best to you. All the very best to Karachi United. I hope uh, you do make that academy, and um, if there's anything that I can do yeah. to play my part, I you know, I'm just a call away. Always reach out to you. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks awesome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Till the next one, everybody. Peace out. Bye-bye.